Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Event Industry News Podcast. The podcast is kindly sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. A very good morning, afternoon, or evening to our podcast followers, wherever or whenever you may be tuning in to us from. Don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest content from eventindustrynews.com by downloading the Event Industry News app, available for all the major mobile devices. And uh, you can also get your opinions, thoughts, and uh, any questions to Event Industry News via Twitter using at Event News Blog. On today's episode of the podcast, we're going to be looking at AI, artificial intelligence, um, how it is starting to transform what used to just be serendipity in, in, in the scheme of, um, in the scenario of networking. Um, and we're really using AI to transform that into business opportunities. Um, I'm delighted to say that joining us from Minneapolis is Brandon Klein, CEO of Collaboration AI. Brandon, great to have you on the podcast today. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me. Um, yeah, let, let's. I suppose let's dive in by setting a scenario. If we go back even 15 years before really we had mobile internet connectivity and mobile devices as such, we would go along to business conferences and to networking events and really we would put our suit on, arm ourselves with a fistful of business cards we would go there and hope to meet somebody that maybe we could do business with. We would maybe hand them our business card. You would maybe gather some business cards. You'd walk home with a pocket full of them in your coat. They would either make it out of your car or not make it out of your car and back onto your office desk. And maybe or maybe not, you would hear from those people again. And it would simply be a case of serendipity as to whether or not we bumped into somebody who instantly we went, let's do business. How, how are we using artificial intelligence now and what level is it at that's allowing us to move away from that archaic way of doing things? So the biggest challenge I see with thinking back in time to where we are now is we continue to augment the existing serendipitous practices with AI with the current market offerings of AI and events. So we're getting a little bit better. We don't have the paper agenda, we have an app agenda now, we can see who's in the conference in, you know, on our phones now, not just in the, you know, a giant printed catalog. So we have these enhanced serendipitous actions now, but we're really continuing along the same course for most of the events that are still going on today. And the AI, I think, has taken a foreground in the sales process up front of targeting the correct people so that more of the right people are coming to the events by you know using different types of AI especially in the marketing space where AI is really picked up and developed a lot but in terms of the actual application of AI on events I think we're still really in its infancy and it's fascinating the different companies in the way they're addressing it. Now, I, I was being slightly tongue-in-cheek um, at the start of the episode, as, as hopefully people have picked up on, but I, I have also spoken to, to event organizers, and I'm aware of event organizers, who, if they heard that tongue-in-cheek scenario, would say, aha, we, we combat that now because we have an event app, we have a mobile app now, but really, the mobile app has simply replaced the content that we used to have in a printed program that we would we would pick up on our way into the conference uh, the 
you know, the, 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 the emails that we receive now uh, uh, simply replaced the letters that we would use to get by traditional post. So in many scenarios, all we've done is replace the same types of communication but with a different method of getting there rather than genuinely using technology to, to transform and change our processes and how we go about our business when we go to these events. Yeah, and so if you think about it in, and in talking to event organizers, and we look at AI as an extension of the data of the participants and the content that you're dealing with. How many organizers are finding out exactly what each participant wants to achieve? How many are taking the patterns of participants from past years, who they've met, who they haven't met, where they've gone, what they've done, and used some form of artificial intelligence to drive the change in the agenda, the change in the design, the change in who people are meeting along the way at conferences. And if you think about that, we have a data and AI revolution mm -hmm. of the content and data that's available to us to design events, but yet almost no organizers are using that data except for to sell more tickets. So how are we fundamentally changing our events with this added technology? And I would argue that very few are. Is it, is it difficult to, I, I, I'm beginning to understand how AI can be deployed and, and how we can analyze data in a different way, but with no historical data that correlates specifically to the use of AI to help us with our meetings and our networking, um, how, how do we go about doing that? Can, can we use data that is already existing in order to do oh. this? Yeah, I think there's plenty of data out there already it's just the apprehension to use it. You know, the, one of the simplest AI is available to almost anybody is you can use IBM Watson to get a personality indicator of all of your participants so at least you know which personalities might be able to network better together at certain points along the way. Mm -hmm. I don't know of, well, maybe two conferences that use Watson and personality to make sure that the content that an event organizer is delivering is more relevant to their participants. And so a lot of this is there, we're just not using it. I suppose this is, this is an appropriate moment to, to start talking about what it is you do and, and how you came about doing what you do. Um, why don't we put in, in a nutshell and put into context, first of all, what it is you do professionally and how that is actually tying into what we're talking about today. Yeah, so I mean, I used to run events for for big companies and big conferences. And it, it struck me that, one, there's the apprehension to use data on participants, most of which is publicly available, most of which you could get at registration. Mm -hmm. And no one is really using that data to inform how they're gonna change the content. One of the most fascinating examples is that in any room of 100 participants at an industry-specific conference, there's actually only four people in that room of 100 that can directly help you achieve your objectives for going to that conference. And if you think about your objectives for the conference are of course for learning and industry development, but also the networking relationships you'll develop there, you know, back to your original analogy of the stack of cards. Yeah. 4% chance of meeting the people to change your work, career, learning, etc. Those are some pretty bad odds. Yeah, yeah. And if conference organizers continue to just do panel after panel after panel without targeting more personalized journeys for their participants, 
those odds are going to stay at 4%. And so we're looking at this not just as a data problem of how do you guarantee that you're meeting at least those four people in each interaction, but how are you beginning to restructure your event based on the conference? Maybe back-to-back -back panels, speeches, and then work tracks are not the right way to design a conference to make sure your participants are wildly meeting their expectations and coming back next year. And I guess one of the difficulties must be is that historically, if you take a, a, an event organizer that's been running a conference successfully for 15, 20 years, and they're stuck in certain habits, but similarly, they've used older methods of gathering feedback from their attendees in order to justify what they're going to do in, in subsequent years, you're having to change their complete operational sort of procedures and, and almost tell them what you think you've been doing right for years and years and what you think has been working actually might not have been working as, as well as you think it has done. So, I mean, I, there's almost a full spectrum, and I, I'm working on writing what that spectrum of uh, maybe the next generation of conferences is. I, I'm not sure what it'll be called. But, you know, from just having speeches all day to an entirely interactive, you know, almost brain-to-brain -brain deep dive using Google's neural networks that's, you know, almost no conferences in the world are going to do, you know, <laughs> continuously, you know, where do you pick up and get started on this to transform your participant journey? Because like any industry, you know, the event industry, we have to innovate. And so yeah. what are the simple steps you can start with? You know, the first simple step is you've got your participants' registration data. How can you use that in the simplest way to make sure people meet a couple other of the relevant people at your event? And you can plug that into your app. You can plug that into a meal. You can plug it into a seating chart. There's countless ways that it can be done. Go, going back to, to your, you mentioned that you were somebody who worked as an event organizer, working in running events and producing them. How did you then, having had this sort of maybe light bulb moment, or I don't know if it was an idea that sort of generated slowly over a period of time, how did the transition occur then, and, and, and what prompted you to leave what you were doing to, to, to doing this now, and, and how does that manifest itself in terms of the actual services that, that you guys have developed and how you work with your own clients now? Yeah, so I look at this as two ways. One, if you think of it from a digital side, of almost like an API. So mm -hmm. every event has an event app, and oftentimes it's, there's an advanced version of a dating uh, element, I would call it, where yeah. it's almost like swipe left, swipe right, if you want to meet these people or chat with these people. And that's, that's great. That will always have its place. But where is the real intelligence by looking at all 100 or 1,000 or 100,000 attendees of your event and which groups of people are going to, by meeting each other, not only have a better experience at the event, but be more successful after the event, which is, I think, what we're really all after. Mm -hmm. uh, and perhaps sell more tickets for next year, too. But that's a nice aside. Uh, yeah. No, sorry, I'll, I'll let you finish. I've, I've, I've got a question here to put to you, but we'll come back to that. You carry on. So there's the API side of things of how are we collectively using the intelligence of the entire group or community that's attending your event to make sure that you're introducing and networking the right people together. And that's largely a data challenge of matching the right groups of people together. 
mm-hmm. which you know we can do. Uh, and the other side, though, is more comes from like the design thinking side of things. The how are you actually designing your agenda, so that you're creating? You know, the, some of the popular terms are serendipity, which I think you're calling the title of this. Yeah, how are you yeah. engineering serendipity? How are you creating more collisions so that just your odds go up automatically of colliding with the right people that can help you or help each other? And so there's a whole design element in the agenda. So, for example, one of my favorite things is you can get participants, either by asking them or by just reading their profiles, what their need and reason or ask for attending the event is. And I can promise you that there's several people in the room who are experts in answering that exact need. And so how are we designing part of the agenda to make sure those people are having a conversation that will matter and drive that change long-term for each person? So, so this is AI technology and design playing nicely together is really where it comes down to. Uh, so, so, so the scenario is presented now where somebody uh, registers for a, a conference that says a two-day two day conference is taking place and they look through the session lists and they digitally confirm that they were attending this session on this day and this session on this day but they leave the rest of their, their schedule blank and open and they think they're going to come back to that in a few weeks time and look at what other sessions they might like. So having d- got, gone with those original two we're now in a scenario where the event organizer themselves could actually now be communicating and prompting that person based on their choices, based on the data that they've got on that particular attendee and say, well, actually, we would like to recommend this session for you because we think that there'll be people in there of a similar uh, background or we think it's a subject area that matches with some of the other choices that you've made. Are we, are we looking at that sort of level of, of, um, of intelligence and prompting? Yeah, there's, I would say we can go even further than that. Not only what other areas you might be interested in, but the certain people or profiles that are also going to be in attendance in the session that you're most interested in are also going to be there. Even taking another step further, and this is where, you know, core to many events are sponsors, mm-hmm. and those sponsors have products. Well, which products might actually be relevant to that person as well? And not to just push products into or a sponsor's products into a participant's face, but how can you actually send the right expert to that particular work stream or, or track of the event so that the participants are meeting people using real sponsor's products and can see the value from matching experiences of what they're trying to achieve in whatever industry they're in. So the personalization, not just from which sessions to attend, but the individual people and content to make those sessions successful themselves. Uh, looking at that, this is what I was going to ask you, and, and the question that I've scribbled down here, which is, um, it, it, it relates to the actual quality and the, and the detail of the data that's obtained from the registrant in the first instance, because when I think back to, let's go, sort of maybe 10 or 12 years ago, I remember registering for a particular event where they had an online portal or you went to the website and you, you completed online but it's very very simple you put your name your email address your business your job title your business address it, not a huge amount of data that now using your methods and, and, and the things that you're speaking about could actually generate anything maybe worthwhile in terms of putting me in touch with other people do we need to be encouraging attendees and do organizers actually need to be redesigning their their capture methods at the first instance so that we're getting 
more data and more information out of the registrants when they sign up for things. So that's the fascinating thing that keeps, I would say, keeps our data scientists really happy because the different types of events and the different data you capture can yield phenomenally, excuse me, phenomenally different outcomes, which is kind of a scary thought. So one example, if you capture networking data at registration, and when I say networking data, I mean which people in the room would you like to meet? Or who do you already know in the room? Or which content is core that you get educated on? When you start to ask targeted information, you can actually visualize and map how everyone in the room is connected to all the different types of content and therefore you can uh, just call it collapsing the network. So in order for me to get to you on this podcast here, we probably each had to talk to three or four people for this podcast to happen. Mm -hmm. At an event, at registration, you can capture enough information so that we can have a direct one-to-one -one connection right off the bat just from registration data. We would have to go through four, five, six other conversations to find exactly the right person to deep dive into driving more business value out of events. So and, you can and ask those questions at registration. Is, is it theoretically possible that if we get too deep into this level of sophistication that we actually take away some of the enjoyment that people get from the old-fashioned walking around a conference or going up and meeting as many people as you can because people do business events in different ways. I've seen yeah. people that go to tra that, that have been walking around trade shows that you you just look at and you think, why are you here? Because you're just walking past exhibition stalls or, or, or booths. People are wanting to speak to you and they run away like they're going to be attacked. Yeah. And, and you think, why are you here? However, that said, let's park those people. You get really fascinating people that go to networking events and to conferences and to trade shows who really embrace everything that's good about them, which is they want to meet people, they want to shake hands, they want to ask questions, they want to find out. If you take away some of that enjoyment aspect and the, the inquisitiveness of people, is there a chance that you could actually sort of dilute uh, what face-to-face -face exhibitions are all about? So, absolutely not. And your question comes up all the time, which always fascinates me, kind of why it comes up. Because, I, I mean, one, of my, one fun example is, you know, beer or wine are always going to be the best networking solution, AI intelligent platform out there, no matter what computers do, right? <laughs> yeah. Point one. Yeah. yeah. Point two, if you stop talking about beer, wine, the weather, and sports, that's also the best networking tool you could possibly ask for because people aren't doing small talk that doesn't let you find out what really how you can help each other. Mm -hmm. uh, and point three is that we all got sick of being over-engineered uh, in our schooling days, and so we don't want to be told what to do all the time. But everybody loves a little bit of structure. And so yeah. sitting in an auditorium all day or wandering a convention stands all day you know, that level of looseness isn't producing the innovation results that we want. So we think there's a really fine balance of maybe between 10 and 50% where there's a little bit of engineering in the agenda and with whom you're going to work with. Um, have you found, and, and I suppose this is, this is a, a very specific question, but 
profitability of events. If events are more constructive for the people attending them, whether that be an exhibitor or an attendee at a conference or both, if they are finding that they're going to a, an event now and in one day achieving what they used to achieve in two or sometimes three days, is that aiding the profitability of the event itself in the sense that where they used to have to run for three days, they can now reduce it to two, thus reducing their costs? Uh, I, haven't, I haven't seen of the reduction of timing for events. Usually the way we hear the conversation going is, wow, you're doing the traditional stuff in a fraction of the time. What other power is there in this group that we've convened together, which in a sense you can now create a community out of the group of people attending your conference. And communities can begin to drive impact, and that impact could be more profitability. It could be changes in the industry itself accelerating. You know, there's so many different things that you can go beyond with that, I guess, extra time and profitability in what your audience can achieve both personally and as a community. Um Look at moving it into the, the operational aspect of it. Um, you mentioned APIs earlier on in, in today's podcast. Um, operationally, if a client comes to you, an event organizer comes to you and says, look, I've heard about what you guys are doing. Uh, I'd like you to see what you can come and do at my event. How do you actually deploy what you do into their systems? Do you have a standalone system? Do you have something that is almost invisible and just integrates with what they've got? How does it actually work operationally? Yeah, so depending on the type of event that is is happening and what they're trying to achieve long-term, our implementation uh, procedures, I guess, are very different. So I would say well over half of the events, the actual participant does not know we exist. Right. So we simply plug into the back end of their systems if they want to push out the way it's going to change the agenda and the people are going to meet via the app, no problem. We work with a lot of apps. Uh, if it right. wants to change the way things are visualized and communicated as groups, then we just plug directly into their backend or you know, exchange Excel files back and forth really quickly, whether API or Excel. So we can do the, all that in the backend. For smaller, nicher events, we do see ourselves being involved more because we can push some of the visualizations and dynamic changes as the audience restructures over the course of an event. Those are much higher touch events that usually use that approach though. Um, I, I guess as w once you've done all of this, if I was to get a, a notification or something on my, my device relevant to that uh, conference that's been generated by your system um, and is trying to get me to, to meet or to register for certain sessions, there's still a, 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 a reliance, isn't there, on the, on the human and the person themselves actually agreeing to go along with that. Um, so I, I guess that the success levels will vary from, from event to event for that reason along with other reasons. But on the most sort of successful end of the spectrum, how have you seen this system benefit event organizers? So on the most successful end of the spectrum, that's where we start to get into the real transformation of events, where the event organizers are no longer hirers, hirers of logistics and speakers and panelists, mm -hmm. but they're actually members of that community attending where the 
organizers are designing with some of the participants and with the, the content experts. And so that it's a fully interactive, engaging experience amongst all of them where technology actually blends completely into the background. Because that's when, you can get back to your earlier question of do people feel engineered too much? Well, it's actually the opposite that happens because when the technology blends away and the difference between me as a participant and my availability and uh, or ability to speak with the speakers and organizers that are trying to help me succeed, it's a completely different relationship. You know, an organizer is no longer a logistics expert or an agenda, you know, time stamper. They're truly part of the group helping everybody succeed. So it's a complete shift in the way you deliver events when you bring this in fully. Um, I, I don't know whether or not this is going to be a, a wild analogy or if I, if I may be Go close. <laughs> What's it? We watch television now in a completely different way than we did even three or four years ago. In a very short space of time, people's television habits have changed dramatically. And I'll spell it out for people who don't understand what I'm talking about. On demand, we watch things through Fire Stick or through TiVo boxes or through Sky Plus or whatever it may be. We record programs, but not just recording and watching them back now. We log into the BBC iPlayer or whatever it may be. And we choose what we want to watch and when we want to watch it, which is quite quickly, I won't say so, quite quickly changing people's wider habits in life. People want to be able to demand, people demand what they want and they want it sort of now. They want that sort of instant access to it. And so I guess this idea of going to any sort of event where somebody else is dictating what you're going to experience and what you're going to watch and what you're going to learn from it is changing a similar way to how we watch television. They want to be able to go to a conference knowing that they've chosen what they want to see and they've opted for what speakers are going to be there that year. Well, and not only just that they've opted to it, but, you know, they can watch those same speakers you know, those speakers frequently have tons of talks that are almost identical online already. Mm -hmm. So how are you bringing participants in to truly engage with the speakers? And maybe, you know, for the next few years, the hotshot speakers are still going to be in high demand as keynotes at conferences. Mm -hmm. But how about the thousands of other experts a step below those hotshot speakers that your audience can now directly engage in with the relevant expert in that field to help change your job back home if that's what you're after. Mm -hmm. And so it's not more expensive for conference organizers to have those ex other experts there because they want to be there too. And yeah. you can reshift the entire conference attending experience exactly as your analogy shows with TV. So people can actually start you know, not just giving feedback now, is it? It's not just a case of coming out of the event one year and giving feedback as to where they think stuff could be improved or what they might like to see. Again, because people know more, they have access to more information now, they can physically say, we want to see this guy, we think this guy would be great, or, you know, why don't you look at doing this? Yeah, and it's not only these people that could be great, but I, we can't lose sight of the value of the knowledge of all the participants at these events. That sure, some of that knowledge is exchanged during the networking time or who you bump into, but there's phenomenal people at all these events that we just don't get to talk to and engage with much, especially around an expert or topic that you traditionally go and sit and listen to like the old school BBC, not the interactive one that exists now. Mm. G going back to um, what you mentioned about your system and, and the service 
in some respects being completely invisible that the attendees and delegates may not even know that it's there sure. if you flip that on its head is it is there an argument to say that it's actually in the best interests of the event to tell their attendees and their registrants that they are using this sophisticated system or using a system that is actually going to allow them to be you know networked with other people that there are recommendations that are going to come through if you actually make people aware of what's happening rather than just a random notification coming up is that going to get them to actually interact with it more so the scientific answer to that is still up for debate we're at about a million uh, people connected right now where we've been able to learn from those interactions but the 100% proof point of if your question makes a difference or not is still out but the subjective answer to what you're talking about of people's answers is radically different by event so some events absolutely say this is an algorithm we know you're going to be successful together go and talk and some people love that and it works really well mm -hmm. but other people hate that and the process or journey of discovery of being seated next to people that you didn't think was intentional and all of a sudden three of the four people around you are changing your perception on a topic it's almost like that's a magical experience for someone to have and so there's still a huge argument to not tell participants why they're being put together in these groups but it's still you know each of them I guess that's down to the organizers to, to understand their audience and their attendees and, and look at every event on a case-by-case -case basis because if you've got a consumer event where your audience is average age of your audience is 50 to 60 years old you know uh, they may not like the fact that, that, that they get that you know that you tell them outright this is what's happening you get a tech savvy audience who loves stuff like that they'll go hi oh, great lovely you know this is gonna make my time really efficient whilst I'm there um, it, it is it is still comes back to regardless of how far forward the technology moves we still always have to understand the fundamentals of our event which is who are our audience and what do they want exactly and it sometimes the audience doesn't necessarily have the best answer so we play around a lot with uh, like financial conferences and bankers mm -hmm. think they want to meet with bankers that want to meet with bankers to do deals to be done and so we followed those rules or logic of the organizers and we weren't getting the same output that we normally get and so we said they said okay fine instead of all bankers let's make it 50% bankers and 50% of the other types of participants complete and total failure everybody hated it <laughs> but if you put 70 percent bankers together and 30 percent alternative industries uh, every single person scores much higher in every field after the event and so you can't just listen to bankers you've got to figure out with the organizers with the data with the participants and designing them for the maximum success uh, and it, it strikes me that in the past that there was an awful lot left a chance uh, at events the awful lot left a chance and and um, event organizers particularly would always be guilty of regardless of how the event went you would always get the press release saying that attendance figures were up 
that the conference program was immensely successful, that more business had been done on the exhibition floor than ever before. But I guess that with, with systems like this now, you're actually being able to statistically quantify whether or not that's true. Yeah, I mean, down to the individual levels, especially when you get to those that more interactive scale of conferences of what kind of output is being generated by the participants catalyzed by the event. Mm -hmm. And you could think of, uh, I mean, there's so many different examples of, you know, industry conferences coming together to do more business. Well, how much is actually being done? And now you can track that at an individual level. Um, going back to the to, to the operational um, deployment of, of of the system, um, how adaptable is it in the sense of um, you being able to configure exactly what an event organizer may may want to do? Now, presumably, they're going to need to speak to you anyway, and you're going to make certain recommendations because you understand the system better than than they will. But once they get it, do they come to you with ideas and say, "Can we make it do this? Can we make it do that?" So once they get it, they don't like to talk to us anymore. They just use the software because they learn how the, the their objectives can be entered into effectively the AI engine to right. produce the results they're looking for. So once you learn how to do it, you can do it very much yourself. But yes, we are getting and adding new elements to it, I'd say weekly, mm -hmm. based on the needs of the customers and the individual attendees for what can be done. So, so, so just to clarify, unlike, let's take, for example, a, a company that, that builds event apps, you know, yep. that replaces a traditional printed event program, um, they would actually, if, if the organizer wants to do things slightly differently, they would go to the app developer, and the app developer would, would change or create that feature or adapt it. What you're saying is that with, with the AI algorithms and with their way of doing things, it's actually the same algorithm, but by changing subtly the data that's input into the system in the first place, it can dramatically change what's output at the other end. Yeah, I mean, you're not actually changing the data input, you're changing the business rules around the existing data. And I know that sounds a little bit strange, but if you think of every attendee that comes in has thousands of points of data, especially when you're talking of conferences that uh, where there's existing databases on participants, you know, especially internal companies, it's thousands of data points. And so the real trick is, whether you're plugging into an app or any way you integrate it, is you're actually thinking about changing the business rules to make your participants and event more successful. Right. So not manipulating the data, you're changing the business rules that tweak the algorithm or AI in order to make sure the right people are working together at the right time. Once they've done that, where, where can this go? Is, is is this it now? You've you've written it. Okay, you'll make you know that there'll be changes and little things changing every week. But is there is there a major, major, major shift uh, that you think can and will happen by using processes like this? So I think uh, from a pure event and conference standpoint, I think that the drive and the need for uh, more of like what's happened in the innovation space of design thinking experts to come in and say, hey, we have this data now, we know who can go together, how can we maximize the design of the event, the agenda itself, in order to make these additional improvements that need to be made. So I see a huge boon for uh, agencies that can look at data 
and help organizers redesign their conference to be more effective. So that's one side of it. Is that what you're asking? Uh, 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 yeah, and, and you raise a good point because a lot of the time when we're talking about high-level uh, conferences and events, we're talking about multiple parties being involved in formulating the content of that particular event and as you point out you have agencies whose job it is to source speakers to source content to sell exhibition space whatever that may be and if everybody understands how it can benefit them then you're talking about multiple parties that could potentially be involved in the deployment of the AI technology yep and you know we know that it's early days right now you know it's not just hey change a paper agenda for an a app agenda or swipe left to meet these people or you know personalize your agenda tracks you know that's that's all great starter points but we're really trying to push the limit here to make conferences exponentially better um, we're, we're getting towards unfortunately the, the, the end of time on today's podcast it has flown past and the episodes that fly past are generally the ones that have always had some some fantastic content and um, I suppose that that, that that dovetails nice into what we're talking about today because it is about content and producing stuff that's going to give people the best possible experience um, when they go to these sort of events. Um, if people want to find out more about the subject that we've been uh, discussing on today's podcast, I believe collaboration.ai is your website, Brandon. Is that where people can go? That is absolutely correct. Thank you for... Uh Saying in an English accent better than I could in my drawly American accent. Not a problem at all. Uh, Brandon has joined us today um, from Minneapolis. Brandon Klein is the CEO of Collaboration AI. And we've been looking today uh, on the podcast at how artificial intelligence is, is transforming and shifting the way that we're planning and executing events, and particularly how we are getting the attendees at those events to engage with each other, make their time at those events more efficient, uh, more profitable, uh, ultimately, uh, by doing more business and by doing better business. And Brandon, thanks so much for joining us today. I know that there's a, there's a big time difference. We're evening here in the UK, and, and you're probably middle of the, the working day there in Minneapolis, but um, thanks for taking the time out to speak to us. And have a great day. Yep, with the podcast is uh, sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. And a reminder once again, if you've not already done so, to download the Event Industry News app available for all the major mobile devices. It will keep you up to date with all of the latest features and news from eventindustrynews.com. Once again, our thanks to today's guest, Brandon Klein from Collaboration AI. Thanks for joining the podcast, and we'll see you again next time. Mm -hmm.